0: All right. Welcome, everybody. Another episode of Mentally Unscripted. This is Voting 2.0, part two, whatever you want to call it. I am Paul. I'm here with Scott. Scott, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Just ready to leave our dent in the universe. (laughs) Make it big, make it brash. Hit that dent. (laughs) Well, well, thanks, everyone, for joining us uh, for part two of our conversation on voting. Uh, The first Episode um, is here. You know, check it out on the website or wherever you're, you're following the podcast. And there we talked about what it is to, to vote in a democracy, why we do it, uh, what are some of the considerations for it, trying to take more of a first principles approach to understanding it. And in this episode, we're going to explore what we can do differently. So, kind of a a exploration of governance, and uh, I think we're probably going to get a little bit over, out over our skis in this one, <laughs> knowing our our depth there. At least I know I will. But uh, that's part of the podcast. So uh, just just you know, buckle in and, and, and you know enjoy it. Uh, but before you do, listen. We're starting out. This is a brand new podcast. We want to bring it to you, so we, we need your help to engage. So go to the website mentally unscripted.com, Sign up for the website. Sign up for the newsletter. We're going to have our handles that are on Twitter if you want to engage with us. Uh, hit us up there. Hit us a DM. Uh, engage with some of the tweets. But we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the podcast, what it is you think we're, we're doing a good job on, what we're missing, and what other topics you think we should explore. Uh, the whole idea here is that we're having conversations about topics that you care about uh, in, in ways that are interesting to you and trying to answer some, some tough questions. So, so check that out. But today... We're going into what it is to secure our voting. And the reason that we're doing that is because unless you've lived under a rock for a very long time, we just had an election in the United States, which was one of many that have been contested. And um, whether you agree or disagree with the results of the, uh, the election, I think it's fairly clear there was a lot of there was a high cost to us not being able to say, here's the results of the election. Everyone agrees it was entirely accurate. And, and completed without any fraud whatsoever. So I think that's the starting point that we want to talk about today: ways in which we could make uh, the elections perhaps less contestable. And uh, we're going to talk through uh, some information we gather. So Scott, I'm going to I'm going to turn it over to you to start. Um, when you when you think about making an election to be secure. What, what are some thoughts that come to mind that you think are, are sort of aspects or maybe areas that you would grade in terms of trying to come up with the right model? Okay. Well, first off, um, it, it just wouldn't be a podcast. If I, if I didn't start off with answering your question by not answering your question. Um, so thank you. I just, <laughs> so
1: I, I just want to throw out the one thing that I, I ran across while I was researching this podcast is, um, I listened to a, a podcast it's a libertarian podcast. Uh, I think it's called We Are Libertarians or something like that by a guy named Chris Spangle, And he he spent two hours trying to convince everyone who was listening how it, it, there's been no fraudulent elections or very few fraudulent elections in American history. Uh, but then I listened to another podcast. Um, it's a history podcast, and um, I've drawn a blank on the name of it, but I, I, I will throw these links in the show notes. But this guy spent, you know, an hour or so convincing us that every election has been fraudulent in the United <laughs>
0: States. So we can't even agree on how fraudulent or how bad the election system is. So, oh, boy. Uh, and that kind of leads me into...
1: And here I am. I can actually answer your questions. That kind of leads me into this, this first first thing is what it really comes down to. It's a choice between... Uh, we have to choose between how much security and integrity we want in the voting process and ease of voting. And then as an extension to ease of voting, uh, that's how, how widely we open up the opportunity to vote to people. So the mm-hmm. more people that we want to vote, the easier we're going to have to make it. But unfortunately the easier we make it, the less secure it's going to end up being at least with our current technology. Yep. And, and so the, the difficulty, you know, so we—I I kind of feel like we're just at a place now where uh, we're, there, we're there's just going to have to be a trade-off. We're going to have to accept that on the one hand, the voting system is going to have problems. There's always going to be questions about integrity. Uh, it's there's always going to be people who are able to point to some aspect of an election, and say this was bad, this was wrong, mm-hmm. or, um, to secure it better, we we just have to. Uh, make it harder for people to vote, and I don't mean harder because I don't want people to vote. I mean we're just going to have to get tighter controls over it. So uh, reviewing reviewing the information that I was able to find, you know, it really seems like the the tightest control over an election is to do it in person with paper ballots, because that gives us all of the aspects that we need for a secure election. And it's when Mm -hmm. we start introducing technology into it, even in, you know, we can have technology locally where you still have to go in person, but you're voting through a voting machine rather than a paper ballot. Mm -hmm. Well, You're you're introducing another point of failure into the system that added complexity. And then when we add in remote voting, voting online, voting, you know, with, with an app on your phone and everything, we're just introducing huge amounts of complexity into the system. So mm-hmm. in doing that, we're opening up voting to a, a larger segment of the population. But like I said, we're also introducing more complexity, more points of potential failure in the system. And I'm saying failure and failure by a malicious actor in that sense, where someone's hacking into the system, but also mm-hmm. the opportunity for just there being an error, a computer code error or something like that. Um, and the other thing with the introduction of technology is, with technology, a lot of stuff happens under the hood or behind the behind the curtain, you know, in the black box, however you want to refer to it. And no one sees what's going on. No one is sitting there watching the code execute as it's tallying up the votes. Mm-hmm. So there's if we're going to go this direction and we want people,
0: we want to have elections with integrity, we have to have a
1: way for people to feel comfortable that what's happening in that code on that server, in that database, whatever is, what's supposed to be happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when we started to look into this, you had pointed me to a Twitter thread where they were talking about elections, I think in Taiwan. Yep. And, and I think that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about because it was all from what I understand, if I was reading this correctly, it's all done in person, Anybody who wants to can watch. It's paper ballots that go into a box. You know, they stand up in the front of the room. They open the box. They dump the ballots out. They show everyone the box so they can see that all the ballots
0: were taken out. I mean, yeah. The, the irony. I just have to interject there. The irony. It almost feels a little bit like a magic trick, right? The way it's described, like the magician walks in and shows you everything, and then you're just amazed. But no, but but uh, but obviously the opposite of what they're trying to achieve.
1: Right. So, but it's it sounds like it's a very manual process, very yes.
0: little technology involved, and it's I mean it's,
1: it's you know cavemen could have voted this way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also probably the most secure. You know, and it's not infallible, but right. anyone who wants to can watch. They can see there's you know these black boxes that I was talking about. There's very few of
0: them, um, if if any. I'm not sure. Uh, so there's
2: just a lot of transparency in the system. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You know, i I've always kind of
1: viewed this podcast as it's it's not about us telling you what the right answer is, or even giving you our opinions. It's more, it's more of us trying to help people, help our listeners understand other things that they can think about to try to
2: understand the bigger picture, so that they can develop their own opinions. Um, but right. this is, this is going to be one where there is no answer
1: because I don't know what we want to do we have to get together as a society and decide do do we want this tighter controlled more manual process that mm-hmm. um inherently has more integrity to it but that's necessarily going to limit the ability of some people to vote or do we want do we want larger voter turnout and just
0: have to accept that there's going to be a lot of potential for failure in the system yeah uh, so that that was the first big question um that came to my mind uh, so, what do you think about that? Well, I, yeah, I mean, there's a lot there. I think I think understanding that trade-off is is the right starting question. Uh, realizing that, first of all, there are constraints on how you actually manage an election in the process, and that there's a cost to the decisions that you're going to make about. You know, someone could easily say, and I, and I thought this after I was going through the election, I had questions about why are we using free open source software packages that are 100 percent audible and that are going to eliminate a lot of these questions or at least address them head on so that we have a fully auditable system. And then as I researched this a little bit better and I'll get into that in a minute, I, I realized that that's an overly simplistic view of what we're trying to achieve with voting. Right. So um, so the first thing you do need to understand is that there is a trade off, as you said, it's it's giving access to people so that we can have the appropriate amount of participation, which is really what you um, is, is a principle of democracy, is the idea that you have as many people being represented by that vote as possible and uh, reading about the history of voting, and, and I, I'm sure I learned this years ago, decades ago at this point, but kind of revisiting it for, for prepping, uh, prepping for this, this podcast. Uh, one of the reasons that they sign you up for voting when you have your driver's license, when you go to get a driver's license, because voter turnout was so poor at that time. And I don't know if that was coming out in the 80s or the 90s. Or actually, I believe it was the 90s. Uh, they had had low participation. Then you have the early 2000s and the Bush-Gore issue, which was, uh, and I, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get butchered here, but there was a Chad. They, they had some, what they call a Chad, which I believe was the ticket that they were punching out to actually record the vote. Yeah. Yeah, and the hanging Chad. The, the hanging Chad. Um, sounds like a drink you pick up at a, at a sleazy bar, but um, yeah, anyhow. And, and
1: I just want to say that was Florida, and I am a product of the Florida public school
0: system. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe you pay credit for all the changes that came afterwards, <laughs> Maybe, right? right? Yeah. Um, but they, they, because they had that issue, there was a law that, that came out that said we're going to actually give more money uh, from the federal government for, for voting. Right. And so they were trying to introduce new technology type of solutions to to help with that and and eliminate some of the the contestability at the end of the day. And and yet, you know, 20 years later, we're still at the point where during the last election, you had a lot of people asking questions about how vote voting tallies were occurring. And I I don't just mean the, the, the president of the United States. There were a lot of other people that were doing so so uh you 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 have the point where there's still going to be some of that cost right are you able to get a hundred percent of the population to participate uh all, everyone who actually can vote and then are you going to get it to in a way that the cost is is sufficiently low that we're not spending months or, or years debating whether or not it was you know, a complete election or, or a fraudulent election so I think I think that's a really good starting point. The next one that I that I think is is very important to, to realize is that when you dig into the technology, there's this idea of technology bias, right? And and I, I think it comes from probably for most of us in the last 30, 40, 50 years, our relationship with technology is improving. Now it's not always the case. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hmm. But it's it's likely the case. I mean, we've got flat screen TVs everywhere. We've got phones that, that house amazing amounts of technology, more more processing power than satellites we sent into the space during the heights of NASA. So we've got great technology around us, but it comes with a cost of if security, comes with a cost of, of whether or not <clears throat> it is something that we actually can trust. And we actually don't, in many cases, at least with voting technology, have anywhere close to the right type of tech that's going to give us the um, that comfort level and actually bring that cost down, which is the real value of technology. If it, technology is truly a deflationary pressure on voting, it hasn't got there yet. Now, and the cynic in me is openly wondering if either the Democrats or the Republicans ever want to get there. Um,
1: I think yeah. one reason why there wasn't a deeper look at this past election is because both parties like the system the way it is. They like, um, they like a system where there's ample places for them to potentially play games. Um, whatever that is, whatever the intent is, I think they like a system that is complex and where um, there's plenty of black boxes that they can hide behind. Mm-hmm. And, and and perhaps that's the first place we need to start is we need a transparent system. You know, they say for a democracy to work well, right, you need access to information and you need transparency. Well, if, if we can't even understand how the voting is supposed to work, how, how can we have a functioning democracy? Right. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I, think <laughs> that, that, I mean, that's one of the first things, you know, when we talk about voting is – we need to, you know, the states, they need to publish the rules of voting, you know, and every state can do it differently. They're free to make their own rules. And I heard there was a lot of debate over, I think it was in Pennsylvania, whether, you know, votes received after midnight on a certain date were allowed to be collected and Mm -hmm. counted, or, or they like changed the rules at the last minute or something like that. And we can't have that right there's there's got to be everyone has to be aware of what the rules are they have to be aware of when their vote needs to be in how it needs to be in what identification signatures whatever needs to be included yeah because without that then there's just too much room for shenanigans there's too much room for legislatures or courts or whomever to just change the rules at the last minute and we can't we can't operate in a condition of uncertainty when it comes to voting, especially like we mentioned the last episode when there's so much at stake in these elections, so much money, Mm -hmm. so much incentive for there to be fraud, right? We, we've got to have the ground rules laid out. Uh, and, And until states and politicians start
0: abiding by that, then I wonder if any technology is going to really make it better. Yeah. And actually it's, it's a smokescreen to obfuscate the, the real shenanigans going on, right? So the fact that you have any kind of digital voting on a touchscreen and someone says, look at all the money we've invested in this new technology, if those other components haven't been fixed, then you are – it's just a distraction, right? right. It, it absolutely is. Um, well, so, so let's, let's talk a little bit about what it would actually take to – Maybe, maybe maybe think of what a system would actually look like that would that would deliver sort of best in class or better better types of, of outcomes. Which which in my mind I think if we measured as a, agreement, uh, well there, I think there's a couple different areas, right? The, the, the first one is you want people that are eligible to vote to be able to vote, right? So you need you need that that the ability to identify that population and to give them uh, the ability to actually vote. To only, uh, to only vote once, and, and yeah, right, right. So, so you have you have that population. You have to be able to identify them. Then, from a voting perspective, you have to be able to record the results of what they are voting on. And with that, they have to have anonymity when they're actually completing their vote. Um, and ideally, they would also be able to have some mechanism to verify that even though the system can't say who who they are, they can actually verify that their vote was counted as they selected it. So, I mean, simply put, we don't have that today, right? We, we can potentially have that first part where I go to the voting booth and I provide an identification. They verify that I'm part of the registration office. Then I go to a voting booth and I go through and I, I get a ticket. I don't know that that ticket is actually aligned to the vote that was tallied, right? I, I there's, a, there's a trust level that I have to give. Right. Um, and, and that's
1: that's one of the black boxes that I was talking about like, right how do, you, how do you know that that ticket actually got counted and counted for the person that you checked it off for
0: right now th- that first part is interesting the, the identification part because this is something that I thought kind of long and hard about because it especially in the internet right there's the old joke that you're, you're having a conversation with somebody you don't know if it's a dog or a cat or an actual human right Um, So so digitally, I think think I've spoken to
1: a few dogs.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, and and the cats are always smarter. I'm going to give them that, but they're also cruel. So, you know, what what are you going to do with that? Um, But but that is an area, that's an obstacle that we have not solved for. There are some schemas that exist today that have to do with private key, public key encryption. But managing that is really for people that are more technically savvy. And even those people can make mistakes. And if you if you disagree with me on that point, just Google people lose their Bitcoin and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Can, can you imagine the outcry when people
1: are losing their private keys so they can't vote? Um, it, it would be. <laughs> I mean, you thought this election was bad. <laughs> if, we, that... if we had to trust people to, to
0: keep their private keys and use them to vote, it, it, it would just it would be a nightmare. It, it, yeah. We're, 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 put simply, we're not there yet at a point where we can actually verify online that I'm talking to a human, I know who that human is, versus I'm talking to a dog, yeah, right? So exactly. we're we're just not there yet. And so that that brings us back, I think, Scott, to your point, which is like, okay, we're, we're not there on the digital side. What's the manual side? What's the analog side that gets us there? And I think it's it's as simple as we need a better a better way to get people identification, right? Uh, I think the argument that, uh, well, you know, we want to we want to reduce the verification at the voting polls, to me seems a little bit weak. I think if anything, it's like, well, just give people IDs. And, you know, if you can't sign them up for, if you can't, if they're there and they show up without an ID, you should also have at a, at a voting spot a, an office that would allow them to actually get their identification. Um, you know, that, that's kind of where my mind goes. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I mean, that sounds good, but how would we confirm that they're actually who they say they are? Um, I think we would need something, so, and what I mean is if they show up to the polling place that day and they say, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't have ID and so we send them over to this office next door, how do we confirm, how do we quickly confirm that they are who they say they are and that they haven't already voted somewhere else?
0: Um, right. Because, yeah, well, th-
1: th- that well, would be right for fraud
0: there. Yeah, so I guess you, you get to that point of the, the secondary voting, and maybe we, we come to that in a bit. I think your point is, is well made. Like, how do we verify it? And, and it it feels like – but, I mean, okay, I, I think you, you make a valid point. I guess the, the, the argument that I continually hear is that, well, we've had, we've had terrible and, and well-documented cases of states – and, and counties denying people uh, voting, particularly uh, African-Americans in, in, in the 20th century have received, you know, had this discrimination continuously through these various testings and other types of, you know, you don't have the right ID. So that's still happening. And I guess in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, can we not solve for the identification part of it? Um, can we do a better job of getting the IDs to people? Uh, rather than saying, "Well, we just we just can't have an ID." I mean, I, I I've never been every single building I've walked into has had, apparently had better security than a voting than a voting poll, <laughs> right? Right, and I mean,
1: you know, I'm going to say it: incentives matter. If uh, yep. we know that you know, there's a certain political party that does better when there's higher voter turnout and when there's a large amount of turnout amongst the population that's less likely to have IDs. So, of course, they're going to be pushing very relaxed ID standards. Um, But to your point, I think what I was saying earlier about having the rules well-documented published early so that people understand what they need to have with them, what identification requirements there are when they show up at the polling place. Uh, not burying it in an FAQ on this Secretary of State's website, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, you, you have to be a, a PhD in computer science to find, right? Something that's very simple. Maybe all the news stations, the newspapers, everybody you're printing these out, right? Simple, plain English list of rules. You have to vote, you know, at this place between the hours of this and this and this is the identification that you need to have and give people plenty of time to get that identification Mm -hmm. now as to what do we do about states purposely denying people this identification that may be a little bit out of the scope of our conversation here Um, and I don't know really how we would how we would make that happen Um, but as far as you know, what has to happen on the day you vote. Again, I think a well-published set of rules with plenty of advanced notice so that people know what the requirements are. And then that way, if they show up at the polling place and they don't have the right information, uh, you know, sorry.
0: Yeah, that really is, yeah. 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 Well, and And I I think – yeah, sorry, go on.
1: Oh, and I was just going to say, you know, and you can't tell me that the the Republican and Democrat parties and that other – you know, nonpartisan groups around towns and in States wouldn't go out and try to help people make sure that they had all the proper identification and everything.
0: Yeah. Um, You know, I'm sure that would happen. You know, of course some people are, you know, some people are going to screw it up. Some people are going to fall through the cracks, but I think that's going to happen no matter what. Yeah. You know, and I've heard schemas, you know, you can make penalties for not having identification. Um, you can you can provide a tax rebate or some kind of um, financial incentive to actually you know induce people or or incentivize people to get IDs. I I struggle a little bit to your to your point. Some of this stuff is beyond the scope of actually making a sound system. Uh, I think to the extent that where where we have people that are trying to deny citizens from actually being able to get IDs, that's a separate issue that needs to be tackled. Um, you know if if it's a service. That's being provided to our to our citizens. They they need to get get access to it, right? Um, and then beyond that, it feels like to your point, it's transparency. It's not it's not really a technology based um, improvement. Now I'm sure you could have some uh, technology at the fringes, but I think the cost of that today is just not there. And again, as we said, we don't have anything from everything we've read. Public private key encryption, which is the best technology for identifying an individual is is nowhere near near where it needs to be so okay so so we're, we're i think we, we've at least started in that first point we've got the the actual um uh the actual id kind of talked through then you have you know where you're voting right which is physical versus remote right so so there we have the mail-in ballots and then we have voting on the premises so you you have those two things. You alluded to it earlier. Basically, being being on premise is by far the most secure. Uh, allowing people to send in a mail-in ballot um, obviously gives people that are not there physically uh, an opportunity to vote. That said, you know there's there's questions, and we should we should actually look at these questions. There's questions about whether or not um, that actually produces or, or gives gives the opportunity to um, to vote fraudulently, yeah, I, th- I think it's
1: unquestioned that the opportunity is there. Now, how how rampant it is, I think,
0: is right. uh, is up for debate. Um, you know, one advantage to in-person voting is that vote buying or paying
1: people to vote for your candidate is more difficult because you can't go into the booth, the polling booth with them to make sure that they're pulling the lever for the right candidate. Whereas someone who's filling out a ballot at home, you can be sitting next to them watching, looking over their shoulder, making sure they're filling in all the correct boxes. And when they yep. do that and they put it in the envelope and mail it, then you hand them their 50 bucks or whatever. Um, so just, you know, that simple scenario right there, I think, would say that there's
0: there's greater opportunity for uh, fraud with ma- with mail-in ballots. Yeah, I so I, so there's an opportunity there, and I guess you know trying to think about a mass scale. So it's easy to to find a single individual and say, "Listen, I'm going to pay you fifty bucks to send it in." But how do you do that in mass to actually sway an election? So I, I'm I, you know I'm pushing back on that a little bit because you know I'm not, so the, the scenario that you just described. You know, we talked about Taiwan um, earlier. One of the reasons that they've gone to what they do today was because 20, 30 years ago, they had such an issue with people buying votes that they, they did. They, they moved to the system today where you, you basically have to vote in your precinct. And again, I, I may be not 100% on the details here, but from what we read, uh, it is. It's a physical voting system. You have to be there. You have to travel back to where you're registered to actually vote. And they did that, as you said, because they didn't want people to be able to sell their vote, um, which is a property of a, of a of an election is is the ability for you to verify who you voted for, but also not have the incentive to be to sell it off. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, but but how do, you, how do you I mean, you know, you listen to that podcast about different ways of people. Um, you know, the one guy who claimed that pretty much every single election has been robbed. I mean did did he talk about these schemes that would allow you to do this in mass no i mean he didn't really go into that um but you know i'm glad that you brought up the point of the in mass though because this is one of the advantages of the 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 analog voting system
1: versus a digital voting system is Mm -hmm. that it's with a paper system it's much harder to change votes because to change a million votes, right? You've got to get a hold of a million ballots, and that's mm-hmm. going to be incredibly difficult. In a digital system, to change a million votes, you, you just need to change a line of code. Um, right. So, you know, fraud in a digital system is much more scalable than it is in a uh, in a paper system.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and that's I I, th- I theoretically I agree. The, the what I don't understand, and you know we'll link to it in the in the show notes but there's a great paper written by some researchers from MIT who discuss online voting uh, cryptographic voting or blockchain voting and they present a lot of the challenges with digital voting and I think they they landed on just to summarize at a higher highest level that most of our systems today are preferable more secure than proposals that would be for online voting and for blockchain voting and I think we can get into some of the potential um, pushback or maybe maybe some areas of their, of their arguments which aren't as strong, but they, they fully agree with what you're saying. Uh, and they, they talked about how um, you, know, you have issues at the hardware level where unless you have fully authenticated hardware that you have 100% trust in and as they describe it and as others have described it, this is ty- the type of hardware that we, we put into multi-million dollar facilities, not for voting booths, but for CIA safe rooms. Uh, so, so, you know, any type of intelligence rooms where we we are, uh, you know, we know that, that the hardware is trustable or trusted. We, that just doesn't exist at scale. So we, we don't have anything that we could deploy today that would give us that. And then you have the actual uh, operating system, which again has concerns. Then you have the software that sits on top of that, which introduces another layer layer. What, what I wasn't quite sure on, and I've, I've thought about this, is just, you know, write-only databases that spit out a, a, um, some kind of file or audit trail, to me seems like a relatively simple fix to some of what they're talking about. Um, and even developing write-only uh, hardware that could uh, have a paper tape or something to, to that effect that could actually show whether or not records have been updated. I mean, don't you think there's something there that could be done that that I mean, I I, I'm not saying I know more than these researchers. I think they did an amazing job. But when I was reading through the paper, I didn't see where they they taught. They seem to imagine that or think that that would be a possibility. Uh, Yeah, I think you're right. I think
1: I don't know that the technology we have right now is there. um, But I think, you know, eventually we could get there. Um, mm-hmm. In reading that paper, I think one of their main concerns was the idea of online voting, where anyone can vote through an app on their phone, um, or you know, a quick log into the computer. And one of the concerns was, that, well, how do we know that their their phone has been protected? How do we know that there's not malware yep. on their phone that is going to somehow take control of that app and cast a vote for them or something like that? Um, mm-hmm. So, like you said, like, there, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of potential points where uh, an attacker can compromise the system. Um, so I think what you're talking about is more of a a dedicated hardware solution uh, that is solely for voting. Is is mm-hmm. am I understanding that right?
0: Yeah, I mean, yes, I, I definitely was thinking that, and I probably was simplifying more to the on-premise type of model. Um, and and I think I think your point is is the salient one that you know even if you solve that again it goes back to that identification how do I know that the person that sent the message which is their vote is the person that I intended to, that I authenticated right. uh, and and that's that's a that's a gap in, in the technology set. right
1: that's that's where the private key technology comes in but
0: again though, right you know we already touched on the problems with that is how do we make sure right. everyone remembers their keys um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so,
1: um, so yeah, it sounds like kind of what you're talking about is sort of a digital um, analog or uh, a, a digital in-person sort of solution where you still have to show up in person um, with the caveat that we can have mail-in ballots for people who really do need them, you know, um, military serving overseas, that sort of thing. Um, well. But otherwise – you have to show up at the polling place Mm -hmm.
0: Um, and there's a hardware, a a dedicated set of hardware there where you walk up to it and you cast your vote on that hardware. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I guess one of the frustrations that I had when I was reading about some of the claims made in this last election, by the way, this isn't the first time I recall very vividly 2004, Um, I'm, it's like three o'clock in the morning and I'm like, I don't know, I can't sleep. I'm watching videos on Winamp. If anybody listening (laughs) knows that, (laughs) that software. And this is my first favorite piece of software. (laughs) Of course. It was amazing. Right. Um, you know, there is no YouTube. There wasn't easy to get videos, but they, they had integrated a, um, an ability to watch something. And so I'm, I'm like scrolling through channels from all over the world. And I, and I arrive on one where they're actually reviewing some of the, hard, uh, the software that was being used for voting. And it was an access database sitting behind uh, what was effectively like an access interface. I mean, it th- was so insecure. And I, you know, as someone who had just recently graduated from college in MIS, and who had built a couple of systems like that, I was astounded. I couldn't believe that anybody would ever think of developing software on access. You know, fast forward, I think 10 years, then I saw an audit. Some people did an audit and they showed how easy it was to hack it and they, they they continue to do this all the time. And then this last election, we're we're hearing about firms that run this software, and it's it's black box. We don't we don't have access to the code, which to me is is a it's a non-negotiable. The, the federal government should always have access to the code. And actually, not just that, the citizens should have access to the code. I don't want, you know, th- this is where I guess I sound far less libertarian, because you could argue, well, then the private company has, has you know, the, the, the market's going to do a better job of developing that software. I think of it differently. There's, there's infinite upside of being able to manage that software and be able to, and as you say, incentives matter. If any government, a, a cabal, that's one of the best things they could do is to get access to that software. So um, I I just disagree. To me, it should be totally you know free. If it's not free, open source, it has to be open source type of software. I can see all the code. Yeah, no, I agree.
1: Because I, one thing that's required for a properly functioning free market, similar to what I said about democracy earlier, is you you have to have information. It's when the companies are are hiding behind a lot of these proprietary uh, trade secret claims and things like that, that, that things can start to happen. And the, the problem with an election, I think, is they come around so infrequently that it would be hard for people to really see something going wrong with the software. Um, and this, this mm-hmm. is one of the problems this is one of the requirements for a good voting system is the ability to audit. Like we have to be able to know, we have to be able to see what's happening and identify where there's errors. Um, So if if you have a company with proprietary software, because we vote so infrequently, it it may be a long time before we notice those errors. Right. Um, Whereas say it's a, you know, a company that comes up with a word processor and it's proprietary software, if there's bugs in the code and there's errors, right? People are going to start to see it pretty quickly because
0: it's going to get such heavy right. use on a daily basis. Absolutely. Yeah. So
1: this is where, this is where the community and this is where the, the, your local governments and your state governments can come in because they can just easily say, listen, we're, we understand you guys want to make money, but we want to ensure the integrity of our elections. So we're only going to use software that's been opened up for review. Mm-hmm. And then that would force the market to into that stance. Right. Um, you know, but again, we just saw this past year, <laughs> There's there was questions about the ownership of some of these software companies. Mm-hmm. Was it the Iowa caucus, that app that they were using was called Shadow or something like that was... The company was owned by a bunch of former clinton staffers or something something crazy like that i mean yeah you know so it's when when the parties when the rnc and the dnc and the state governments are willing to work with these shady companies that's where you're starting to have a problem
0: All Right. yeah no it, it's it, it goes back to the question of I mean, this is exactly the question I posed to a friend of mine who was who mentioned something. He was very skeptical of people claiming that the election was, was fraudulent. And he said, I just don't understand why people are, are claiming that this election was uh, fraught with fraud. And I, I just mentioned to him. I said, if, from my perspective, it doesn't take much for me to believe that either party is capable of stacking the the deck in their favor, because neither party has done anything in 20 years to try and solve some of the the technology problems that we're talking about. Now, to be fair, doing or trying to create a schema for online identity is one of the, I I can't say it's the holy grail, but it's it's pretty high high up there in terms of one of the, the large or hard problems for the internet. Um, the idea that you could just put together a grant, which which I've even thought of, you know, could you do a 10, 10 million or 20 million dollar prize grant for technologists to solve um, th- this problem? Yeah, you, you could. Then you'd have to look at the, the the entire market cap for cryptocurrencies is north of a trillion, several trillion at this point. Um, and even if it's half that, it's it's you know, half a trillion dollars. And these are people that every day are waking up trying to figure out how to solve that problem. So um, and they have it. So th- there's there's a lot more upside for people to solve that problem, suggesting that it's a lot harder to solve. So, you know, it, which which then, I guess, takes me back to this idea of, you know, how, how do you get the right technology in there? And probably the point you're making, which is we're, we're, we're not there with the technology yet. The incentives are there to solve it from a from a monetary standpoint. If you look at like the crypto space, how much money is in there. And yet the government doesn't seem to want to solve it uh, because uh, they it, it could potentially lead to them losing elections, uh, which is no, no one's in the business of going out of business. Right. Um, so, OK, so, you know, we've kind of we talked about a couple of big topics right there, but I guess I want to bring us back to sort of this this chain. Right. We talked about identification. We talked about sort of the, the voting aspect of it. So being on on premise versus being remote. I, I'm not sure if we landed on do we think that that mail in ballots are a credible, are, are, are so costly to the system that they should be eliminated? Because I think Canada, if I understand it, Europe, different countries in Europe and Taiwan, they've done away with some of that voting. They, they won't allow for mail in ballots. You know that's a, that's a
2: good question, and I don't know the mail-in ballot question well enough. Um, just what I remember hearing is that you know prior to this
1: year, prior to recent elections, I guess the the amount the number of mail-in ballots was so minimal that um, any potential for fraud kind of fell within the margin for error for the election mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Um, you know so if if we keep it small to the, to the people who only desperately need the mail-in ballots uh, you know like I mentioned uh, servicemen serving overseas yeah. you know perhaps the disabled who have a difficulty getting to the polling place um, things like that then it, yeah it may not be worth anybody's effort to try to swing the, to, to try to commit fraud with the mail-in ballots. Getting, you know, back to the point on scalability, too, it's like how how many, if you've got an employee at the post office who's, you know, pulling the ballots out for people that they suspect are voting for the candidate they don't like, I mean, how many, how many ballots is that really going to affect?
0: Right. Yeah. So, you know, and again, like I said, I don't have
1: the details on mail-in voting. Um, that's just what I recall hearing. Back before the election, when there was a lot of discussion about this,
0: yeah, and I I've seen a lot of posts of during for from the election that we just had doing different types of analysis of when votes were coming in, and I think there were claims. Well, look at all of these absentee mail in ballots that came in that were counted. They all went to one, um, one candidate, right. and I. I, I think that's an interesting area to explore. Uh, however, because of the way our systems designed, I mean, I, I think I was hearing claims, well, statistically, this is Im- impossible. While well, even if that is true, we have an issue where the trust that we have to have in the system is that if we verify that the vote, if you're going to have absentee ballots in the, in the first place, uh, however you validated the identity at the beginning, you have to accept whatever came in, as long as it has all of the uh, correct signature, correct address, and all of those uh, conditions are met. So it, it, it presents a bit of a problem. So it's possible, to your point, if the volumes continue at this pace, that it could be credible area. And, and I guess I just don't quite understand how they could do it in mass. I'm not saying it wasn't done, but I'm saying I don't understand how it's done in mass. Right. Um, unless unless you're telling me it's done at the software level, and that, that's a lot clearer to me. But then I'm asking what audit trails are available. But, um yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's the key, is transparency and auditing. Um, right. That that seems to be the key to this past election, is that there just
1: wasn't a lot of transparency. That There was very little, if any, ability to audit. So that left people with a lot of questions like, well, where did these votes come from? They just, mm-hmm. <laughs> I swear they weren't here five minutes ago. Now they're suddenly here. Where did, you know. Who brought them? Where did they come from? Right. Were they cast legally? Were they cast appropriately? Did we receive them on time? Were they postmarked on time? Et cetera, et cetera. And there just seemed to be an unwillingness on the part of some officials to answer those questions or to sort of throw open the books, so to speak, to the public and say, listen, yeah, here's all the information. These are valid
0: votes. Um, Right.
1: So I think, you know, if, if we had a system with more transparency, then the mail-in mail-in voting may be, uh, maybe much better. It could give the ability for more people to vote, which I know is, was kind of the whole intention uh, behind the push for it in this election or part of it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also will give the public some satisfaction or some, some confidence that these are legitimate votes.
0: Yeah. So it, well, yeah, it's when the government starts
1: to act with such secrecy that people start to question it.
0: Well, and you know, it does beg the question, OK, so if if your vote was a, a mail in ballot, perhaps and, and Charles Hoskinson, who is the uh, the CEO of I believe it's called Cardano. That may, that may be the crypto um, currency rather than the, the name of the company. IOHK, I think, is the actual name of the company. But he talked about a, an incentive of some kind for people to validate their votes. So imagine where you know, you've, you've sent in a vote. or uh, let's, let's just use that use case. You've sent in a vote from uh, overseas. You have to go in online or go to a physical place and verify that your vote uh, was received and, and accounted for appropriately. We can't do that in our current system. Because there's no there's no a way for that person to verify that their vote was counted the right way. You could do that potentially in more of a cryptographic system, uh, which he talks about. Um, there's a great video. We'll link it in the uh, discussion notes. But he talks about a way in which you could do that. It, it's a it's a two B system. It's not something that we have today because it's not scalable. But it it, it it's it's a property that actually would allow you to then. Give an incentive for X number of people in that population to actually go and verify that their vote was counted as expected. What that does is that actually puts the the the, the burden of proof on the person that, that sent in that mail-in ballot. And you could actually, if a certain threshold is met on a certain sample size, you could do a full audit of that entire population. So you know that that is one aspect of a system that I think could be added to it as we go forward or or mm-hmm. contemplated. Uh, particularly for the the, the mail-in ballots if, if that becomes an area where we see increasing volume I think we should be asking a question how do we get that transparency he's presented one area I'm not sure that's the lowest cost way to do it but um, it, it may in fact be but we should be asking questions is there something more that we could do if again if if we're seeing every election that some large percentage is from mail-in ballots and those are the ballots that are creating the difference in the outcome. Exactly. Um, Whatever the solution is, I think we need to come up with
1: it quickly or else every election's just gonna be a replay of the 2020 election. Right. uh, Where we're going to have thousands of people coming out and signing affidavits saying that they saw this or they saw that. Uh, You're gonna have one side claiming that there's tons of evidence of fraud, the other side claiming that there's no evidence of fraud. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's just, it's gonna be a mess. so whatever they do, whatever we do, we have to come up with a way that's going to give the public some confidence that the system is acting with integrity and that right. we're aware of any errors that occur. And there's going to be errors. It's, it's you know, um, something this size, you're not going to eliminate the error. Something's going to get counted right. wrong. Uh, what, we, what we want to do is that we want to be able to find the errors. We have to be able to identify the errors and correct them, and we have to be we have to be relatively confident that the errors weren't the result of any malicious activity.
0: Right. Yeah, that's, and it has to be at a certain level. It's, I think it's impossible or rather it'd be very, very expensive to try and create a system that everyone, every single time the event occurred, everyone agrees hundred percent. Because I, I just don't think that is, that is actually reasonable. There will always be some people that can test it they are, uh, they just can't agree with that outcome. So you're not gonna get them. Um, I, think, I think what you're, you're actually looking for is the reasonably minded people that wanna feel confident, and I don't know what that number is, if it's 85% of the population that votes or maybe even lower number or higher number, but those are the people you're going for.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: Um, and, and that's, in and contestability is, I mean, that's a, an aspect of a good voting system. Right. There mm-hmm. Has to be a, a mechanism for uh, the loser to to be able to look at the system and go, hey, wait a minute, I think there's a problem here, and yep. and, and
1: you know, and this is maybe one area where the tribalism uh, in the in our country is just getting out of hand is that if Trump says, hey, wait a minute, I, it looks like there might be something wrong here can we look at this? There's instantly a whole group of people who are just going to start saying, you know, Trump's a dictator. He's trying to take everything over. He's, he's a fool. He's, you know, mm-hmm. making, he's inciting violence and making false accusations and all that without even taking the second to step back and look and go, you know, hey, you know, maybe there's a question that we should get answered here.
0: Yeah. Well, I, and, and I have to say, one of the most perplexing aspects of the last four years is that if you've paid attention to mainstream media and even non-mainstream media, there has been this discussion of influence from Facebook and from uh, questions about foreign actors. So the Russian government having having an impact on our elections and therefore uh, that, I mean, and, and maybe I'm, I misunderstood what the hypothesis was here, but my understanding was that they effectively helped Trump win the election. Now, it, you know, it, is it that they actually helped with actually securing votes or was it just a misinformation campaign? I, I don't know, but I, I feel as though it's a, it's a question of, well, if it was that bad that they were able to swing the election, would we not suspect that foreign actors would do it again and again, when I've seen when I've asked the question and I tried to find information, what what's happened in the last four years to try and improve the electoral systems? I've seen very little. I've seen people like Tulsi Gabbard try to introduce a bill to improve security and nothing comes of it. No one wants to vote on it. That that could be because no one likes her. I don't know. But all, all I know is that that vote or that bill received no no interest. So um it it seems like there's these weird conversations on topic. I think everybody should want to have a secure system that we agree is trustworthy. I don't know why that's a partisan question. You know, that's <laughs> that's that's maybe the question of 2021 is you know why why the two sides can't
1: get together and come yeah. up with a system. Mm-hmm. I mean, after all, that's that's the whole point of a voting system, right? Is, is, <laughs> it's to find the winner, and yet we seem to have a system where <laughs> the winner can be can be questioned.
0: If I mean, much, it, at, at any time. Thing, now think about that. You're the CEO of a voting booth software, and you get to um, you get to suck at your job and still make millions of dollars. You know, it's like every single time there's millions of dollars in lawsuits, and you're like, hey, but my, use my software. Like, no. Like, that person should be fired. The, the, the guy needs to come out and be like, dude, I've never had a single person be able to contest my voting system after an election. on the voting system you use.
1: Right, exactly. That, that voting system
0: would not get any... <laughs> <interaction> <laughs> any traction whatsoever? I think, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably yeah. not. Yeah.
1: So, you know,
0: I don't... Like I said,
1: I don't know that there's the answer. I mean... It, have to wait to collect we have to have a, a good way to collect store count report and audit mm-hmm. um and it seems like we're failing on pretty much every one of those aspects um yeah and it, it, i mentioned it earlier and i'll just say it again i think one of the, the big problems in this past election was just transparency um mm-hmm. just the the unwillingness of folks to to sort of just say you know this is where the votes came from. They're, they're legitimate because you know, this is what's going on. They're, ju- they're just, so much of it seemed to be shrouded in secrecy. Uh, and, you know, and the idea that you can only have certain numbers of poll watchers and they have to stand at a certain distance away from the, the people counting the ballots and all that. Whereas one thing that I thought was great about the Taiwan system, it was like, anyone who wants to watch the count can come watch the count.
0: I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant.
1: So it's like, so why, why aren't
0: we doing that? Why aren't we just opening it up to everyday citizens or anyone? That's what I don't
1: understand is why, why they want to keep it shrouded in so much secrecy. Like I said before, it's like the more black boxes you have, the more people are, the more opportunity you're giving people to question the results because we don't know what's happening in those black boxes.
0: Well, and that actually introduces a a counterpoint to the idea of, of mail-in ballots Because in this last election, so much of the – if I understand it correctly, so the the areas that really were contestable were about mail-in ballots that were being counted. They would arrive late at night. Then they're being fed into the system, which is doing the tallying. And so there's a – to your point, it it feels like a black box, even if it isn't. Um, I I think there's there's probably some lo-fi type of activities we could do. I mean, to your point – we can in- increase that visibility. I think, I think if I like, kind of go across the whole value chain of, of what you're talking about, right? Um, if you had at the beginning, you had some, some agreement on the verification of people's IDs as they're coming into the system, transparency on what that is, an agreement that that's a good thing. If you've got on the back end, a agreed upon some kind of visibility of how the actual votes are being counted, and that transparency, which is perhaps learning something from what Taiwan does, as, as you're saying, people can actually watch the vote occur. And people, people, I'm sure if they're hearing this, well, we can't do that. We can't scale that. Well, now, wait a second. I mean, Taiwan's a smaller population, but they do have to scale up for what they have to do for the size of their population. Right. I mean, yes, we may, may have to take more people, but take, take the cost of what we have to invest to the affidavits and, and all of the court's time all of the lawyers that are involved here, think about all that, invest a fraction of that in getting people up front to do it. You could sim- I, I think you could improve the system, give that transparency, improve the trust in it um, at a fraction of the cost with, with, you know, and then have it on the back end not having a, a, you know, two months of questions and anger and um, all of the other costs that are associated with, uh, with what we've seen. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a lot more than two
1: months.
0: Four, yes, four or four, four years from twenty sixteen, and people are still insisting that Putin stole that
1: election for Trump. And so that's true. You know, I think the questions about twenty twenty aren't going to end anytime soon.
0: Yeah, and you know, th- this probably I think one of the interesting aspects of this discussion is that I started this my my when I first started looking into this, I, I had a, a bias towards we need better technology, and I think I proved to me myself that that is actually not what we need. Uh, at least um, until we've actually solved some of the big challenges that we talked about in this conversation we need better transparency at the areas that I just described and, and it's not to say that those are the only areas that could be improved but I, I feel like those are the areas that in my mind if they were improved we could we could bring down some of these um, some of the skepticism the contestability there's other aspects that we could improve if we got some of those that technology in place like the ability to see your um, your vote afterwards and and actually confirm it, but then actually keep it blind to the the counters so that your government doesn't know who you voted for. Uh, the ability of a government to be able to audit in a better way. I think all of that's possible if you can solve some of that other technology, but we're not there yet. So I, I have to say that that's a that was interesting. I again I, I I now have come back with a different appreciation for some of the the challenges of implementing. Uh, the implementation side of it, and definitely have have been more, I'm now more biased towards probably more of a manual approach. Did you have any kind of uh, insights after looking into this? Well, I mean,
1: I think it's clear that
0: the answer is
1: kind of a Thunderdome style uh, death
0: match where it
1: gets to pick their champion and, you know, just the last one standing is uh, (laughs) the president. Um, Yeah, it's... (laughs) I mean, it's, it's incredibly complex. Uh, and like we mentioned before, the stakes are incredibly high. So getting any movement seems to be getting any movement towards better systems seems to be a pipe dream at this point.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I think we're getting a lot of people talking about making it better and talking about changes that they want to make that, you
1: know, in the end aren't going to actually help anything. Yeah. And it, until we collectively as a community come together and decide that we really want to tackle this problem, I, I, I have little hope
0: that anything is going to change. Yeah. I, I, I think, said differently, the incentives are not there for them to create a better voting system. Exactly. And, and let, let's remember, we are about to see trillions of dollars poured into our country, printed out of the central bank. And printing, I use that word loosely. You can you can chastise me because it's not actually printing. That's fine. They're going to spend trillions of dollars and I'm going to be surprised if we actually see even a billion going into voting systems. So exactly. just, just I think that's going to that's going to speak volumes to the incentive structure and how what we actually want to improve. Exactly.
1: maybe kind of circling back around to the beginning is you were talking about some technical solutions for uh, verification Mm -hmm. uh, ways for voters to be able to verify that their ballots were were counted correctly i wonder as we add more technology uh, what's that going to do to the willingness of the older population to participate in voting
0: Um, Mm -hmm. you know are they are they just going to look at this app and all this, you know, they're t- we're talking about public private key cryptography and all that. Are they just going to throw their hands up in here and say, <laughs> too much for me. But, right. You know, um, or are they going to have to depend on their six year old granddaughter to come help them vote? Um, yeah. You know, so Which, it, you know right. there's, there's
1: definitely that challenge too, is that we, not only does complexity introduce more points of failure, but it also could, you know, kind of have a chilling effect to certain part of the population.
0: No, I, I think that's a very valid risk. And, and obviously the opposite. In fact, you could see that as being sued in the courts as as proof of discrimination, right? Exactly. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and, and actually I, I was thinking about that as, as we were kind of going through this this later in you know, this last part of the cast, that, you know, you can, you can create better systems, your attack vectors change, right? So where as long as there's still incentive for people to disrupt the process, they will move on to new areas to disrupt. Um, So they can move further up to where they're actually working on trying to disrupt perception of of voters. Um, Misinformation campaigns are highly effective. Um, Charles Hoskinson talks about that. Um, You know, one of the differences between today and 70, 80 years ago was just our knowledge of how certain blocks vote, and and you're pulling information in those areas. Now it's been disputed the last two elections because the pollsters have been so wrong. But we have to remember they're looking at data across the entire country. Um, but if if I'm a certain a certain political party and I want to go to a certain area and sign up people to vote who who haven't voted in the past, I mean that can be a very easy way, and that's that's not illegal. I mean that that's completely uh, within um, the, the you know legal framework that we have for actually getting people out to vote um there, there are other mechanisms you can use to sort of boost your appeal at the at the voting booth the many of which could be legal other ones which could be outside of it which would have you know even if we optimize this process um wouldn't solve for that so you got to be aware of that where, where are you investing the time and money yeah yeah i mean just imagine an election where games with the electorate um, yeah. So. yeah that I, I can imagine that I, I think uh, I, I don't think I'll see it in my lifetime but I, I'm sure I could imagine it <laughs>
1: yeah, <but> there, <laughs> might be, there might be a science fiction novel that, that has that as an element or something I
0: don't know that's right that, uh, that's right well well Scott we're about an hour here uh, any thoughts on anything that we didn't cover uh, I, I know we both did a lot of research here
1: no, I think this was a good discussion. Um, I know we, we normally try to focus on things like mental models and um, kind of ways to look at it. But I think this, these last two podcasts were interesting. We kind of broke away from that a little bit to try to just mm-hmm. explore something um, kind of just uh, sort of a, based on our own knowledge and our own intuition. So I'm just, I'd be really interested to hear from the folks out there who are listening to this, if they like this style of podcast, um, you know, what their thoughts on it are.
0: Absolutely, no. I, I, yeah, great point. I mean, we we started this podcast with the idea to, to try and explore topics using mental models, uh, just kind of the layman's mental model approach. And uh, I agree. If I would love to hear from from you out there in the audience, do you, do you like this style of conversation? Do you prefer some of our older podcasts? Do you like a mix? Any and all feedback is welcome. Also, what did we miss? Tell us what we're not thinking about when we're coming up with our solutions or or maybe our, our, our reversion to more of a manual process where everyone's going to have to go out there with tablets and a, and a stone. Uh, <laughs> you know, let us know your thoughts. We'd, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Voting by smoke signal. It's
0: on its way. <laughs> I, I think I think we could go with it. I, I think we could definitely go. With it. I can't see any issues happening with that at all. No. At all. <laughs> all right, guys. Well... Well, go and find us, sign up, uh, uh, mentallyunscripted.com, follow us on Twitter, and uh, keep an eye out for the next podcast. Until then, take care.